Here it goes. The WNBA season is in full swing, and some new young talent is taking this league by storm, but sometimes we've got to look really hard to find some of those elite college players that we've all known about for many years at the next level. We're talking rosters and more today on Locked On Women's Basketball. Ogumbawale for the win. You are Locked On Women's Basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball. Happy Monday, friends. It is June 19th, 2023, and great to be back with all of you. A very happy Juneteenth to everyone out there who is watching and listening today, and also a very happy belated Father's Day as well. Dad's come in all forms and fashions, and we hope that each and every one of you was celebrated yesterday to the best that you could be. I am Missy Heydrich, National Women's Basketball Correspondent here at The Next. So happy to have you join us. Thank you for making Locked on Women's Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code Locked On. That's prizepicks.com with the promo code Locked On. Well, you can follow me on Twitter. You see that there at Missy Hydrick. And then be sure to follow us at the next. Go over and see us at www.thenexthoops.com and follow this podcast on. On Twitter at LockedOnWBB. All right, it happens every spring. Uh, every springtime, we come off six months of what is my favorite time of the year, the college basketball season, and then it's March Madness, and we see player after player dominate the game night in and night out. The WNBA draft comes, and we see some of the very best have their names called. Some make it, some do not. But what gives? So today we're going to talk about some of these WNBA rosters and the balance of young talent in a league that is aging. We've got to put it out there. Which rookies are making a splash and who has a way to go? Help me breaking it all down today. My good friend Alex Simon of the Bay Area News Group and one of the outstanding journalists that covers at the next in his free time as well. All right, Alex, I'm going to start with the very first question because this is something this is something that comes to me all the time from folks, especially in the college basketball world, right? We see all of these amazing players in these performances, their college careers, um, multitude of awards, players of the year, et cetera, et cetera. The WNBA draft comes along, names are called, and then a few weeks later, some of these players just disappear. And it's been one of those ever-evolving doors within the WNBA. It's always the topic of conversation. But more and more every year, these rosters are aging, but the young talent isn't necessarily arriving. I throw it to you to start. What's your theory? What gives? Well, I, it's a very complicated issue, first off, right? And and in part, it's not an issue that's a stranger to all professional sports. I mean, right. you look in the United States and... For the most part, there's, you know, hundreds of college teams playing Division One level sports in football and men's basketball, even in the soccer world. Yes. But there are just so few professional opportunities that you always have a thinning. You know, I look at the NBA and especially with so many professionals coming from overseas, 
I don't think we end up with more than probably two dozen college players in a given season on a full-time roster spot. But what happens in the W is with a league of only 12 teams and roster spots that the WNBA through its own rules caps hard at 12, but with the salary rules, the way they're set up, most teams end up carrying 11. It means that there's really only about 136 full-time WNBA rostered players in the Mm -hmm. league at any given moment. Right. And that is just such a small number compared to, I mean, you look at the NBA, which is 30 teams at 15 roster spots per team. So you're looking at about 450 full-time spots versus 130 something major league baseball, 30 teams, 26 roster spots. So you're looking almost up in the 780 range. Right. You're you're just at a such a different scale. And then it just kind of becomes, you know, a true meritocracy at that point where, yeah, look, I mean, it's not always exactly a meritocracy. And we can maybe get into a few <laughs> examples of that. But I'd even think, look at last year, like a 40 year old Sue Bird was still an extremely talented player that was worthy of not just a roster spot, but a significant contributor role at a contending team. That does. That's just not a space that somebody can knock her out of very easily, and that's that's the tricky delicacy of this. Where there's rules that set it up, it's also just kind of the nature of pro sports in that way too. No, I think you're absolutely right, and I think one of the things that comes into play when you start talking about things like the NBA, which has the G League, uh, you talk about minor league baseball, which is the feeder system. Uh, we can even look at uh, you know professional soccer, where there is such a there's some different places where players land and then they feed into the MLS or now into the National Women's Professional Soccer League. But when we think about women's basketball, the WNBA, there is no feeder. There is no G League. So you're right. This is either you make that roster, you've got to be able to knock somebody else out, or you're going to land somewhere else, maybe overseas, or just not playing at that point in time. I think the biggest question that I always raise is as a, as someone who's in a front office with a franchise, they're thinking about possible expansion down the road. How do you tap into some of this talent and then convince some of this talent that, yeah, it's okay. Come out to the WNBA draft. This is where your future is. Well, I I think in part that has become a bigger issue in this immediate post COVID run. Mm-hmm. And there's actually, interestingly enough, if you go back into the Locked On Women's Basketball Archives a little ways, uh, <laughs> myself, Emma Adler, and Jackie Powell did a little talk around the draft time talking about why this is kind of considered a super draft or the next ones especially. There's a term super draft in part because all of these college players who played at any point in the 2020-2021 season, which is that season that most teams were bubbled pretty significantly. The championship was in San Antonio. Mm -hmm. The NCAA basically gave a blanket. This year doesn't count for eligibility. You don't have to stay and use your extra year. But if you played in that season, you get an extra year of eligibility. Mm -hmm. So we saw a ton of potential first round picks. Even the most notable one to me was, especially out here on the West coast, charisma Osborne was going to probably be a top eight pick Mm -hmm. in this WNBA draft, maybe even top six. Uh, and Charisma said, you know what, I'm going to stay in the college game and is going back to UCLA. You look at next year, you've already seen Paige Beckers and Caitlin Clark 
to super duper stars yes. at the college level to art. You could, you know, we can have a different discussion about how big of a name Caitlin Clark is in the women's basketball world right now and how many people she's bigger than that. She's not bigger than, right. But Caitlin is even throwing at least a hint out there that the extra year is something she's considering mm-hmm. and is something that she would at least not necessarily dismissed out of hand. Aaliyah Boston, who, oh, by the way, 10, I think now 11 games into her WNBA career is looking like a potential all WNBA player in her rookie season. She even hinted at the possibility that like, I was thinking about it. And so you have this very specific time in place where the NCAA has changed its rules dramatically that allow for players to at least fiscally compensate themselves in the collegiate level, not through the schools themselves, mind you, but on their own and on the side right. with name, image, and likeness and NIL rights. Yes. But then you also have a WNBA world where you're set in a specific CBA at this moment in time that has a very hard level of financial difficulties, frankly, mm-hmm. relative to the professional basketball payment level that you would normally see for younger players. A player like, for example, Haley Jones, who did go pro and kind of hinted that she was always going to, I over at Bay Area News Group was breaking deep down. She's not going to make even up up to 90,000 until potentially her fifth year in the W because the salary is set in at a very specific number. And it's relatively speaking for a professional athlete, key being for a professional athlete, a pittance compared to what players would be able to get on the open market because of the WNBA CBA being so salary restrictive. Yeah, I think those two things, you kind of put them together and you mentioned it. You mentioned a name, image, and likeness. That has changed the landscape. It's changed it in other sports. I think it absolutely changes it in the women's basketball world and women's sports in general. I think you could see soccer players who have the same opportunity who wouldn't have as much to be able to make money from a salary perspective, say, hey, I could stay in college an extra year. I can do X, Y, and Z. That will be there. Take advantage of what you can. When you break down the numbers, here's just three teams I picked out of a hat. You look at the Fever. They had the number one draft pick. They've got Aaliyah Boston now on their roster. Two players on their current roster as of today over the age of 30. The Dallas, one player over the age of 30. Those are younger rosters. Those are ones that are using that younger, newer talent, infusing it. But you look at the reigning world champions, who I believe are still a top of the league standings right now in Las Vegas. They have six players over the age of 30. Kia Stokes at 29. That's half their over half their roster that is at 29 plus years of age. That and they, changes what they do and how they approach things moving forward. And they only roster 11 at that. Yes. Correct. And you've got Aja Wilson at 26. You look at some of these things. I mean, you look at some of these players, and I think the biggest one that stands out to me has to be Candace Parker. She's 37 years old. We know Diana Taurasi. She has been had a fantastic career in Phoenix. You mentioned Sue Bird. A year ago, having this conversation, I kept thinking, well, at some point in time, some of these people are just going to say, yes, I'm going to retire. I'm going to move on. But if I'm looking at this from a franchise perspective, At some point in time, I've got to infuse that younger talent has got to be able to come in and make an impact. And I think, you know, there you look across other sports, for example, and this is something that teams are balanced in constantly, you know, um, in the Bay Area here with the baseball world, the San Francisco Giants were one of the oldest teams for a very long time. Mm -hmm. But they you, you tend to if you want teams to be competitive in the here and now want players who 
generally speaking, athletically peak in the athletic peak years, which start for most between 26 and 27 and go to like 31, 32. That's when an athlete's typically at their absolute best. And that ends up leading to teams having to make the choice. You mentioned Indiana as a team that skews very heavily younger. They've also, you know, not made the playoffs for several years as they've done that. Dallas has been a team that's kind of been in between different eras and generations that is hoping to ascend at this point. But yeah, absolutely. Las Vegas is a team that sees this as their championship window and they are capitalizing as much as they can. New York is a roster that is skewed older. Phoenix, at least at the top of its roster, has been skewing older for a little while. Mm -hmm. They're they're in a very interesting place and I can kind of tease ahead that there might be a discussion point for M. Adler and I later this week, but... (laughs) Um, certainly like that is the balance that, Hey, look, where do we want our rosters to be? If we go younger, those players tend to not be as polished professionally as others would be that have been in the professional world for a while that have played longer, that even just are physically and athletically closer to their peak years than at the young side of it. Absolutely. All right. When we come back, we're going to talk about some of those names, ones that people recognize, not only those that were drafted this season, but some maybe even a year ago and where some of those players are. But first, we all know groceries, school shopping, it's getting a little something for yourself. You know, you're already doing it. So when you're online and you're shopping, why not get cash back for it? With Ibotta, you can earn cash back on every shopping trip. Ibotta gives you cash back on hundreds of grocery items from produce to personal care to pantry goods. Either link your loyalty account or upload your receipt after you shop and you get cash back. It is that easy. The average Ibotta user earns is about $120 a year in real cash back. That can cover the cost of an entire shopping trip. So Ibotta gives you real cash back, not points. Other apps give you points that don't amount to much, but with Ibotta, you can get real cash back that you can cash out to your bank account, PayPal, or gift cards. You can start earning cash back on hundreds of online brands and retailers too when you start with Ibotta, including places like Lowe's, Macy's, Sephora, Best Buy, and more. So right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners $5 just for trying Ibotta by using the code LOCKED when you register. Just go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app and use the code LOCKED, L-O-C-K-E-D. That's Ibotta in the Google Play or App Store and use the code LOCKED. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Locked On Women's Basketball. I am Missy Heydrich, and thank you for joining us today. Locked On NBA's mock draft special is here, and it's bigger than ever. Follow along the entire first round in a six-episode ultimate mock draft experience only Locked On can deliver. All episodes are available now on Locked On NBA Big Board, on YouTube, or wherever you listen to your podcast. All right, I'm here with Alex Simon from the Bay Area News Group, one of my fellow colleagues at The Next, and we're talking about WNBA rosters, some of the talent we see come in, and some that goes out. All right, let me give you this. Right now, three first-rounders from the 2023 draft, WNBA draft, Alex, were waived or cut, did not make their roster. We also have to talk about a player like Stephanie Suarez, who came from, who was drafted from Iowa State at number four. However, she's out for the season because she had that ACL injury in school. Nine second round draft picks in the 2023 draft waived or not on that original roster. This goes back to what we were talking about before. All of the limitations, all of the things that happen. 
But if there were some more names that have stood out to you, I look at it, not only probably your first six, uh, the first 10 picks of this year's draft, all with their original roster. Abby Myers was waived by the Dallas Wings. And then you had Hirsch from France, who was a a fringe draft pick. She was waived at number 10 with the Lynx. It seems as though this is a little different than a year ago, where there were some first round picks that did not make their rosters and didn't land somewhere else. Is that a indicative of the talent pool of this draft that aging more experience? Do you think that's what some of these franchises are starting to tap into? I think, well, there's in part, you know, a balance of things, right? So first you look at Indiana because one, they had, I believe it was two first round picks high this year, plus a couple in the second round. Right. And they've had several first round picks in years past too. And you know, Indiana, for what we talk about with this year, where both Aliyah Boston, the number one overall pick, who is playing like everybody, even better, I think, than everybody thought, and everybody thought she was going to play incredibly well. But they had already waived the number four pick from last year's draft, and Emily Anksler. There yes. might have been some health reasons for that as well. But the idea that somebody who's a first round pick, a top four pick, they've waived multiple top four picks. I think in consecutive seasons mm-hmm. where they previously had Kaiser Gonzarek, they've had Lauren Cox, who was a top four pick and they've waived them all within basically two years of them getting into their professional careers. And it's kind of this balance of the rosters are so limited. Plus there's just no Avenue for other things. You bring up Suarez and she's such an interesting case because she came into the draft with teams knowing she tore ACL. She's not available for this season. Right. There's a weird WNBA roster quirk though, that allows that to almost be a benefit because if you do get players on your full roster who are injured and you get down beneath 10 players, mm-hmm. you then get an emergency hardship roster spot from the WNBA that allows you to basically sign anybody off the street to fill you up, to make sure Bare minimum, we've got 10 active, healthy, available players at a Mm -hmm. time. So Suarez actually was in this kind of weird spot where she was a development project, but because she was hurt, you could then draft her, let her roster a spot, but she could actually help you kind of get to the point that you want to get to in theory, which is 10 active players. And because it was obvious she was going to be gone for the full season, if a team wanted to take her with development plans, help with her rehab, kind of prepare her for the offseason – they were able to kind of do that. Dallas was the team that effectively ended up doing that. Yeah. You mentioned Hirsch, and this is the only other WNBA kind of trick to this game, which is that if a player is an international player, you can just ask for them not to come overseas. If they right. elect to not come to the WNBA, you can retain their rights, which Minnesota has mm-hmm. retained Hirsch's rights, even though she is not here this season. She yeah. can't play at all this year, but they, well, in theory she could, they're not going to because She's a project. She's young. They'll want her to come. To leave. You've seen right. the New York Liberty have done this a few times with players. In fact, one Silka Kone now plays for the sky because she wanted to come over. I think the Liberty may have not wanted her to come over, but she did. She tried out. She didn't make the very difficult back end of the Liberty roster. She's landed in Chicago. <laughs> There's certainly some trickiness involved. I think the thing that you show though is just, if you're on a roster, you're going to get a chance to play in the WNBA. The rosters are so small. The rosters have injuries happen all of the time. And the player that stand out to me in that regard is Haley Jones. Yes. Haley was certainly somebody who had an underwhelming senior season at the collegiate level relative to her expectations, yeah. relative to outsiders predictions. And she went from being a, you know, 
pretty set and clear, hey, she's the second best player behind Aaliyah to falling to number six. But she's gotten to Atlanta, and she's with a team that fits her well. They've had some injury concerns, and she has stepped up and really shown that she can handle a really solid limit amount. She's played well defensively. She, she was playing 38 minutes a night for a couple of these games in a row when all of Danielle Robinson and Ari McDonald, basically the entire wing depth in Atlanta, was out hurt. So she's sometimes what you can see just through Haley so far is if the opportunity is there, you can only capitalize it if you're on the roster in the first place. No, you, you got to get there. And the, you're absolutely right. You got to get there in the first place. I look at, you know, you, you were talking about Emily Inkster a year ago was the number four pick for Indiana. Um, she's now landed herself after bouncing a little bit has landed herself at Minnesota. I think that could be a good place for her if she can stay healthy. Another player that stands out because people want to talk a year ago, South South Carolina wins a national championship. Destiny Henderson was one of the biggest catalysts of that. She was a second round pick, went to Indiana, signed a nice contract, looked as though that could have been a good place for her to land. She's waived and now she finds herself with a hardship contract and she's out in Los Angeles with the Sparks. So even a year ago, some of the names that we thought would still be part of the league, maybe not necessarily. You mentioned someone like Haley Jones. I was thinking Lexi Hull could be a solid professional player in the W, kind of figured out a way to stay on the roster, has gotten herself more time. And in that second year, she and a player like Nelissa Smith from Baylor, who was a top pick a year ago, they're finding their footing. Sometimes it takes a year. It's not always magic for someone to have that amazing rookie season it might take one or two seasons but with age and experience those college standouts are going to find a home well and you can look all across the w and find that story 10 times over i mean phoenix has three or four of those types of players you know Sug sutton played in 2020 was gone for two years didn't play in the WNBA whatsoever in 21 or 22 but has continued to play overseas develop her game she earns a roster spot and has been shining in phoenix and before her shea petty had that exact type of career track to even get onto a roster back in 2020 in the bubble. And she's carved out a solid role as a backup point guard in Phoenix for years. Now Um, you can look in Chicago, Rebecca Gardner, same thing The the W there are really no, there's some easy ways into the W and if you're a talented superstar level player, like Aaliyah Boston, you're always going to have your spots. But if you're players that undoubtedly have talent, the problem is just the the volume of players who are trying to make it in professional basketball overseas who would obviously take tryout opportunities in the W. The training yes. camps are ruthless in the W in that regard because everybody kind of knows, hey, these certain players, they definitely have a spot. So I'm fighting for maybe one spot. And there's five players usually that are in camp fighting for that one spot. Yes, you are absolutely right. Okay, when we come back, there are rookies right now that are making a splash. There are some names that you need to know of where they have landed, where some of those players are making their names in this WNBA season. We're going to talk about that in just a moment. But first, it is time for that daily fantasy sports opportunity with our friends from Prize Picks. Okay, so how does it work? Well, you go to Prize Picks and you pick two to six players. 
and they will go score more or less than their prize picks projections, and you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. No competing against other people. It's literally just you versus the projections. And prize picks offers projections at any sport that you watch. That could be the MLB, the PGA, the US Open was just out on the West Coast down in Los Angeles. It could be over the summer, it could be soccer, WNBA, esports, NASCAR, tennis, you pick it. They've got it. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy, safe and fast withdrawals and currently operational in over 30 states and Canada. So download the PrizePix app or go to prizepix.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code Locked On. If you deposit $100, they will give you $100. If you deposit $50, PrizePix will give you $50. Don't forget to enter the promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. Hi, everybody. I am Missy Heidrich. Thank you so much for joining us here on Lockdown Women's Basketball today. I'm with Alex Simon of the Bay Area News Group, and we have been talking about how not only difficult it is to break into the WNBA, even after stellar all American award-winning seasons at the college level, but then you got to stay there. And then we've got to think about how these rosters look, but there are some rookies right now in this league, Alex, who I think a year ago, we looked at those draft lists, a player like Ryan Howard, everybody said it's potential. It is talent. I never for a million years thought Shakira Austin would have had the season she had a year ago after watching her in college as a senior, but she just fit. She found the right place and something clicked and she has become a really good professional basketball player right now. There are some rookies that are making a name in the W and I think we would be remiss if we didn't talk a little bit more about what Aaliyah Boston has been able to do right now in Indiana. She's averaging over 29 minutes a game. She's played in all games so far this season. 16 plus points, seven plus boards a game on average. Those are pretty darn good numbers for a rookie. Yeah, I mean, if you are a daily Lockdown Women's Basketball listener, you were here on Friday when Natalie Hebron and Tony East were talking and Tony made the note, you know, it only took eight games of Aaliyah not getting double teamed in the WNBA for teams <laughs> that are facing the fever to realize Ah, she's really good. We got to double team her. Yeah. So she got all of eight games of not being double teamed, like, you know, or triple teamed like she was <laughs> in South Carolina before those came back. Look, I mean, Aaliyah, you know, there's she is going to be an all-star year after year after year. Mm -hmm. And not just because she's a massively popular name, because she's dang good. She yes. is earning it. She is clearly the focus that teams are tardy, starting to bring. And she's even adjusting. I made note, you know, she had six assists in their win, I believe it was over. Uh, no, she had six assists in their loss to Phoenix last a Sunday, like nine days ago. She had five assists in their win against the Mystics. So even if teams bring double teams to her and are changing how they defend her, she's more than capable of adjusting. And yeah. you know, I I think you bring up the All American college careers, and I do want to make this point that a lot of times professional teams aren't necessarily picking you especially as young as you are for what you are doing at this moment here. And now right. they're drafting you based off your potential. Yes. And that's not always the easiest thing for a college. When you're getting recruited out of high school, they want you to be potential too, but they only have a four year window, maybe five where they know that you're going to be there. So they want the players who are the best in that four year window. Whereas a pro team, I mean, Aaliyah could be in Indiana for 15 years. Yeah. And that's right. you can absolutely look at some players and say, 
look, we want this player to be here at the pro level. There's no stopping point. We talked about the aging players and whatnot. Diana Taurasi's in year 19 in Phoenix. And, you know, for better or worse at times, there have been some years where it's been a struggle. There's been some years where she's been hurt. But I don't think Phoenix would trade her 19-year career for just about anything in that regard. And so that's that's the balance. You look, you know, no two players are going to have a career path that is the same. Some will look very similar, but no progression is similar. You can look, you know, some of the players who are standing out right now as rookies in this league are players who have spent multiple years overseas after collegiate years or even have come from playing overseas to come here. You look at Morgan Birch. She was a star, but at UC Davis in the Big West. Yeah. And graduated from college in 2019 and yet she until she got hurt was starting in chicago this year as a 25 year old rookie Mm -hmm. there's there's just no two similar circular ways to getting the breakthrough to a WNBA roster to a permanent WNBA roster and you know just as quickly as you think you have one it also can be taken away from you just that quickly too Well, and I think that's also, that goes back to a multitude of conversations. So as they think about moving forward with your collective bargaining agreement and how the franchises want to approach this. And when you start talking about pay and you have to think about where can you go in that, in that process, is it more lucrative for someone to go overseas and play? Is it lucrative for a kid to stay in college because they've got NIL opportunities? I don't want to give that up. I don't want to risk not, not having that. And then maybe I don't, I get drafted, but I don't make a roster. I get waived. You know, you could still be Taylor Micah self who, was the number 13 pick out of Ohio state who had been at Oregon. She had had been fantastic careers. She gets waived by Indiana now is on the Atlanta roster, but you're talking about sort of that quote unquote journey, man, journey woman world that a lot of these players are going to live in moving forward, but yet you're never sure what end or which way it's going to come out right now. Players like a grace Berger, coming off a great college career at Indiana. She also drafted in the first round by the fever. She's made just 10 games. She's played in 10 games. She's averaging just about eight minutes a game. What's her role? What does that look like? Can it increase? Absolutely. But it is all about kind of putting the chess pieces together and how these teams and the league itself is going to want to address it going forward. And, and, you know, I've written about this over at Bay Area News Group that I – Start. I'm starting to believe that expansion is several years away and not necessarily something that we should expect in part because of this collective bargaining agreement. Yes. The league knows that its players think there's not enough roster spots in my, this is my opinion, my you know speculation in that regard, but the league knows this and knows that the players are underpaid and is maybe wanting to use that to not, you know, fully pay them to the extent that they could because It's obvious what the market rate might be, especially in the United States, where these players are clearly the most visible and the most famous. And, you know, it's a business still for the WNBA. And it's good business to try to pay your labor as little as possible relative to what you should necessarily want to do in that regard. That's just how this game works in that regard in collective bargaining. So when you look at it, you know, there's several elements that exist in other sports. And even you look at women's soccer, where the current number one, most recent number one pick in women's soccer in basketball was Aaliyah Boston after she had a four-year career. She, in theory, could have come out, I think, I don't even think she could have come out a year early if she wanted to because of the age rules in the WNBA, that you have to be 22 in the year you are going to be drafted or have completed all four years of college. That's the only way you're eligible. 
I don't think Aaliyah was going to be there. And so on the National Women's Soccer League side, the number one pick this year was an 18-year-old, Alyssa yeah. Thompson, who, right. by the way, scored 11 minutes into her debut. If there were players who were good enough in women's basketball at the age of 18 to be, oh, no, she can come play in the pros already. She's talented enough. She's there. But there's no mechanism for that player to do that if they're American. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of this very strange balance of several kind of factors playing in that, you know, a player like Boston, a player right now, Caitlin Clark, if Caitlin Clark were available in the 2023 draft, I think even over Aaliyah Boston teams might've had to consider taking her. And that would have been a tough choice. And she would have a roster spot right now. Rules don't allow that to happen. And so you always, you will always find the space for the talent and it's kind of on the fringes where players can earn their way into more over time where the W has its biggest holes at the moment in terms of where fans feel as if there's some things lacking, those things that are lacking teams to have more roster spots, mm-hmm. roster spots itself. Maybe you could do something like what other sports have in terms of an injury designation spot yes. where you can automatically replace that player rather than waiting until you're down to less than 10. You can mm-hmm. say, look, this player's done for the season. We're putting them on the injured reserve, injured list, whatever you do. And then we will replace them up to whatever, however you do. But that would allow for more rather than teams having to roster an injured player for the entire season and hope that, you know, again, weirdly hope that you have enough people not available to have more active players backfill. Yes. There's, there's a litany of issues with the WNBA roster, but I would think that one of the ways to rectify it going forward, if you aren't willing to make the changes directly to it, is to create some type of development league, four teams, six teams, eight teams, running concurrently in the way that the G League does on the men's side in the NBA, that teams can then say, hey, if we're picking up a player to fill into our roster, we at least know they've been playing, that they've been doing things, they've been working, rather than just picking them up fresh, throwing them in and hoping for the best. And I think that is one of the biggest factors moving forward. That seems to me that that would be a really good sign of true commitment and development of what the WNBA can be moving forward, because you know, this is not going to be the last time we have this conversation and you and I are not going to get asked by college basketball people all over the country a hundred times. Why is there not a spot? We wonder why kids don't want to come out. This is what it's looking like. They may not have a chance. What's that ability look like? Yes, you're drafted on potential. But when I start thinking about some of the biggest names in this league and you start looking at it, and it's Candace Parker, who's 37, Courtney Vandersloot in New York, she's 34. We know Diana Taurasi is 41 years old. I've got Elena Deladon. She's 33 at Washington. She has rode the wave herself individually and personally of injury and being healthy and all of the above. It only gets harder as you get older. And as that, we make those moves and those transitions, these names that people identify the league with, you want that next generation of talent to be able to do that too. And you kind of, you know, it is interesting, especially, I think, to mention Courtney Vandersloot in this, because the other three names you mentioned, Elena Delaton was a second overall pick who would have right. been a first in any year that Brittany Griner was not available. Right. Diana Trossi, first overall pick. Candace Parker, first overall pick. Vandersloot was a third overall pick out of Gonzaga. So even, you know, you could look at the colleges and say, why didn't a bigger college recognize that she was this good? But <laughs> yeah. she developed into being that good at the collegiate level to then clearly be the third best choice in that 2011 draft. Now you then look at it and you just, 
there is no two specific there is no similar path to the pros i want to keep emphasizing that I think you're everybody's right. path ends up being a little bit different there's some tried and true pathways right but if you had something like a development league and you can find i, I mean i can name four markets right now that are very unlikely i would imagine to get a full-time professional basketball team in the WNBA in the long run. But if mm-hmm. you look at places that would absolutely probably come out for six, eight, 10 summer games, mm-hmm. Knoxville, Tennessee, Iowa city, Iowa, Columbia, yeah. South Carolina, you can keep going into the big temple, Bloomington, Indiana. There's several places that I would imagine you could find a league that goes into cities that clearly are invested and interested in women's basketball and give these opportunities for development that the WNBA just cannot afford with its franchises right now. They can't afford to have players on their roster spot that they're mainly working out and getting better in practice time because you just don't have enough bodies to play the games if you don't. Yeah. And, you know, for as much as certainly there are times on the floor now when you get older that you aren't able to reach your peak level, uh, you look at a Diana Taurasi, especially. I covered her in Phoenix for a couple, several years. And, even at 39, when I was covering her, like she would single-handedly win games for that yeah. team yep. at age 39. Right. So as much as she is aging and as much as she is not as young and maybe not as talented as she used to be, when a player has that level in the past, mm-hmm. it's not that difficult to tap back into it. You maybe can't do it as frequently as you once did, and it's yeah. maybe not for as long as you once could. Yep. But players who have that level usually are given every chance to try to keep going there until they decide it's done. And Phoenix and Diana have clearly made that decision. And that means that, you know, their roster has to look different and they maybe don't get as many players who are younger and more talented there, or they're taking players on who don't have as easy of an access to playing time in that way. So they can't develop as easily, mm-hmm. but that, you know, that's the trickiness in pro sports and because we have so many colleges, there's always going to be athletes that are not getting the opportunities and you either seek them overseas or keep biding your time and figure out other ways to try to continue to grow your game. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. It is it is almost a, a complete circle in some form or fashion. And it all kind of comes back to the idea and the hope that if as as this grows, that there will be more opportunities there. I think you're right. I think it would make sense to have some type of minor league system that gives that opportunity and so that you can, that you can keep your talent, your homegrown talent here and expand that. Whether expansion comes with more roster spots down the road and or more franchises, those are going to be the questions I think the league itself is going to have to really take a hard look at. All right, my friend Alex, where does everyone find you on a daily basis? Uh, you can find me over on Twitter at Alex Simon Sports. You can also head over to Bay Area News Group and our various websites, mercurynews.com slash sports is the easiest one. Um, my hands are involved in all sorts of things there. So, well, that's where you find him. He, you'll find a little bit of Alex in everything, and that is the best part. So, thank you for being here today and coming on and talking about all of the things that maybe we'll see down the road or we just get to nitpick. And that's the best part of this. Um, you can find me at Missy Hydric on Twitter, but also please go follow all of our amazing colleagues um, at the next hoops. Com and by following this podcast at Locked On WBB on Twitter. 
Thank you for making Locked On Women's Basketball your first listen every day. For our everydayers tomorrow on the show, more women's basketball coverage with your favorite people from the next, whether that's Howard Megdell, you'll see Alex later in the week. And then more information, international news and notes, college basketball ha happenings, and of course, some of the very best WNBA coverage anywhere. We have it for you here at Lockdown Women's Basketball and the next. We'll see you back here all this week. Everybody have a great Monday. Thanks so much for watching and listening.